Hi, I'm Ed Jerks, Marketing Executive at Amber and BGA, and this is the Ambition Podcast. Today we are joined by Professor Shamim Prasantham, the author of Gorillas Can Dance. In this episode, we talk about Professor Shamim's career so far and take a look into his newly released book. Can you tell me a little about yourself and your career, please? I'm Shamim Prasantham. I'm Professor of International Business and Strategy at China Europe International Business School and currently Associate Dean uh, in charge of the MBA program as well. Uh, so I was born to an Indian father and Sri Lankan mother. My earliest years were actually spent in the US. Um, my family returned to India and my parents were involved with a, an NGO. Uh, in fact, it's celebrating its golden jubilee uh, as we speak uh, in the area of mental health I myself ended up in the UK over a couple of decades ago and now live in China. So all that is to say, I suppose it's not um, a big surprise that I ended up as a professor of international business. And uh, in the course of my uh, academic uh, research, I became very interested in how big companies and, and startups partner. And that's what I mainly focus on in my research. You recently released a book entitled Gorillas Can Dance. Can you tell me about this book, please? So the book is really about how large companies have now uh, come to recognize that um, it's important to be entrepreneurial. uh, And one way to do that is to engage with startups. And so this book is about strategies that big companies can use to partner with startups more effectively. And I talk about three things, the why, the how, and the where. And uh, that's what the book is about. The book is about large corporates partnering with entrepreneurs and startups. Can you give me an example of when this has been particularly successful, just to set the scene? So one of the most interesting startups I've come across is a startup founded in Silicon Valley called Crowds, C-R-O-W-D-Z. And they basically are a fintech startup that try to make the process of B2B payments um, more convenient using digital technology. So they participated in Barclays Accelerator program in London. And in fact, while they were there, they were exploring partnerships with Barclays, uh, which they then took forward after the Accelerator program and were able to Uh, try out this new solution with one of Barclays uh, clients and have since been able to uh, send this, um, make this available to uh, other companies, and which has been particularly useful during the pandemic. So this is an example of how companies can bring together their complementary capabilities. And a lot of this has been fueled by digitalization. In China, there's a startup, or it's no longer a startup, but a company called Testin created a decade ago to help uh, developers of mobile apps to test their apps. And they partnered with Microsoft, IBM, and then a few other multinationals. And in that process, were able to improve their technology. And when they opened their first office in America, they were able to tap some of these partnerships Uh, and gain more visibility there. And so this is an example of a startup from an advanced market and another from an emerging market, which is to say that 
Um, around the world, we are seeing the opportunity for win-win relationships. What are some of the opportunities associated with large organisations partner with startups? Do you think that these partnerships provide equal opportunities and benefits for both sides? Well, at a sort of an abstract level, I talk about three L's, legitimacy, learning, and leads. Uh, and I think it's relatively easy to understand from the point of view of the startup. You know, they get credibility by association. They're more likely to be taken seriously by prospective investors or even employees when they can say, well, we're a partner of Microsoft or whatever. Uh, there's also scope to learn. They get exposure to perhaps certain areas of technology that are complementary to their own um, niche capabilities, or they're exposed to professional ways of going about business processes. And of course, very usefully, there can be revenue generating opportunities, which I refer to as leads. Uh, but I think actually the big companies also have similar benefits. You know, They can generate uh, new business opportunities by getting into areas um, that they weren't previously engaging in. Also, they learn new things from the startups who have uh, very specific capabilities. So when BMWs decided they were going to have to take electrification more seriously and, and digital technologies more seriously. Cybersecurity was an area where they could learn from startup partners. But funnily enough, even from a big company's point of view, there can be legitimacy benefits in that now many big companies realize that they need to compete for the hearts and minds of the most able startups. And they want to be seen as partners of choice. Um, and so I think these are, broadly speaking, the opportunities that um, companies have, big companies and startups, by working together. And it's really about uh, bringing together complementary capabilities to be able to address the new challenges that are emerging because of growing digitalization, uh, because of um, other trends and changes in the business environment. Because a big challenge for a big company is what made them successful today uh, may not work tomorrow, and even worse, may come in the way of them developing the new capabilities because of the national. What are the challenges associated with such partnerships? So there are uh, certainly challenges associated with this, and I refer to the major problem as the paradox of asymmetry. So what makes these companies attractive to each other is that they're very different. Uh, large companies have scale, startups have agility, uh, and so these um, big companies are attracted to uh, the startups uh, who can come up with creative solutions, and the startups can benefit from the scale of the large company to be able to commercialize their innovations. Uh, but the very differences, and this is the paradox, the very differences that make these companies attractive to each other also makes it challenging to work together. And there are three aspects of this asymmetry that I find particularly salient. The first is the asymmetry of goals. Uh, these companies are aiming for different things, but also at different timescales. And for startups, time is of the essence, whereas bigger companies tend to be slower with their decision-making. A second aspect is the asymmetry of structure. When two big companies work together, it's not difficult to find role counterparts. The vice president of marketing, say, of one big company can readily identify their counterpart, but it's much more difficult because the organizational structures 
of these organizations are very different. And a third type of asymmetry is what I call the asymmetry of attention, which is that the big companies see an ocean of startups out there. They aren't sure which ones are worthy of their limited managerial attention. For the startups, it's a different issue. They know who the big companies are, but they struggle to get the attention of the managers that matter. And so uh, a big challenge for both sides, but particularly bigger companies who can set the tone, is to find systematic ways to address these asymmetries. How can such different types of organizations come together to partner successfully? So I think this follows from what we've just been talking about, about uh, in terms of these asymmetries. Um, and what I've found is a common pattern across companies that are effective at partnering with startups. Consciously or unconsciously, they seem to do three things, and each addresses uh, one of the asymmetries we've been talking about. So the first thing is that they clarify synergies. Uh, and that helps to address the asymmetry of goals. Now, it might sound blindingly obvious, but in fact, um, a lot of companies talk about a win-win partnership, but don't quite specify what the win for either side is. Uh, and I find two possibilities here, broadly speaking. One is synergies around building blocks. And this is typically what you see with technology giants like Microsoft, IBM, SAP. They have technology building blocks. They want innovative startups to build on top of these, and then they can jointly go to market. So the win-win is, say, a co-sell type of win-win, whereas there are also synergies around pain points, particularly for companies from the traditional sectors, BMW in the automotive space, Barclays in banking, Unilever from fast-moving consumer goods, recognizing that in an increasingly digitalized world, they need solutions to address digital pain points and startups can therefore uh, sell to them. Uh, a second aspect is then creating interfaces. And by this, I mean identifiable units or entities that can be a first port of call for startups uh, who want to connect with a big company. So Unilever have Unilever Foundry, BMW have BMW, uh, 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 it's called the BMW Startup Garage. Um, Microsoft have Microsoft for Startups. And this then provides this interface that helps address the asymmetry of structure. And managers at the interface uh, have it in their job description to engage with startups. And, and this can actually uh, help to smoothen friction, at least for initial, uh, an initial connection. Uh, and then the third piece is cultivating exemplars or success stories. Uh, and this is something I find that uh, some companies do intentionally uh, early on, meaning that they really try to increase the odds of having some uh, uh, some some genuine uh, successes, wins for both sides. And this is useful because then it helps both parties understand what success can look like and therefore to allocate their limited managerial attention to the cases that are most likely uh, to succeed. And, and what's interesting is this pattern of interface, um, uh, I beg your pardon, of synergy, interface, exemplar, uh, seems to be repeated time and again uh, across different industries, and I think is a good way to go. Wow, thank you for that very informative answer. 
You are particularly excited about the potential of these partnerships and how they would work to help achieve the UN's sustainable development goals. Can you explain why you believe this would be successful? So I teach at China Europe International Business School in Shanghai, and we have a small campus in Africa, in Accra. And, uh, you know, before COVID, I would go every year and teach in Accra. And I became utterly fascinated to discover cases, well, in Ghana and also in South Africa, Kenya, um, Nigeria, of uh, startups that were engaging with large organizations. And many of these startups were pursuing not only economic payoff, but social impact. So, for example, a startup uh, called um, BISA, BISA is the word for ask in the Twi language, uh, had been set up uh, when Ebola struck uh, as, a, uh, as an app to allow people to get free medical advice. And they ended up partnering with Bayer. And in the process, they got connected to Bayer Foundation, who in turn connected them with another organization, and they opened a, another branch in Senegal. And a couple of years ago, when COVID hit, they were extremely well-placed to uh, help people to get information to address their anxieties. Uh, and so this was a, a very eye-opening for me to see how you could have uh, startups engaging with large organizations in a way that actually had um, very useful social impact, in this case, addressing SDG3 uh, around health. Uh, and I kept coming across several such examples. And what's interesting about the Sustainable Development, development Goals, the 17 goals adopted in 2015 by the United Nations, a sort of a global agenda that the world should try and achieve by 2030, uh, the last of these, SDG 17, is partnerships for the goals. And, you know, a lot of people think about this in terms of governments partnering with each other. But I also think companies partnering together is a very important part of the story. And highly dissimilar, non-traditional allies coming together, like big companies and smaller startups, I think has an, that's an important part of the story, too. Is there any of the UN's sustainable development goals which you think are particularly well-suited to be tackled by partnerships? To be honest, I can't think of any that isn't. Uh, but I think during the pandemic, SDG3 um, has definitely come to the fore. I just mentioned the example of BISA in Ghana. There's another startup in Bangalore called Cloud Physician, which offers remote support services to intensive care units. Um, and when COVID had the second, uh, there was a second deadly wave of COVID last year, uh, they were particularly well-placed to support uh, the intensive care units of hospitals, particularly in smaller cities and towns of India. But they had partnered with Cisco. They'd taken part in the Cisco Launchpad program in Bangalore. And being able to engage with that large company was very important, I think, because they were given valuable support, both in terms of technology and business that allowed them to uh, make a positive difference. But another SDG that has been um, on our minds recently is uh, climate change, SDG 13. There was the big summit in um, my adopted uh, home of Glasgow and um, in, in November. And uh, it was, uh, Interesting to see how 
many uh, CEOs of companies seem to acknowledge that now there was no choice. You had to take into account uh, climate change issues. And yet, you know, I think what digitalization did for corporate startup partnering five, six years ago, in other words, it, it was the stimulus for it. Uh, I think sustainability and climate change can be uh, for the next wave of corporate startup partnering because you need a lot of technological innovation around clean energy, for example, um, and uh, startups have a very important role to play. But equally, the startups need the scale of the big companies, I think, to make an impact. Uh, and so certainly, I think SDG 13 is going to be very, very important in this uh, corporate uh, innovation space going forward. The book encompasses over 15 years of research. What are some of the key trends you have seen regarding partnership in the last 15 years? When I started doing this work around 2006, when I came across examples of large companies partnering with startups, it was typically the result of a happy accident. So maybe there was a very committed manager in a multinational subsidiary in Scotland working for one of these US multinationals who felt convinced that their company could do more by way of innovation, but they had a chicken and egg situation. You know, they couldn't do more unless they had a mandate from headquarters, but they couldn't get a mandate from headquarters unless they, they had the capability to do more. And they would then proactively engage with local Scottish startups uh, to try and do some joint innovation work. What has changed over time is now big companies have become more intentional about startup partnering, and they seem to recognize the potential of it. And so a lot of companies uh, are doing something or the other. My worry, if anything, now is that some companies are paying lip service to this, and therefore a big objective of the book is to give these companies deep insight into what the companies that are taking this seriously are actually doing. And by the way, it's very effortful. It's not effortless. Uh, to uh, to to deal with these these partnerships. So, but but I think that's one trend. People accept uh, that it's important to have this open orientation to innovation. I think another uh, big trend is around sustainability. I think it's going to get even uh, stronger uh, as we go forward. At least uh, that's what I'm hoping. Uh, and I would say a third trend has been. Over, over the, the recent past, maybe less of an emphasis on the global. Um, and, you know, in the book, I talk about three mindsets. You need to have an entrepreneurial mindset, a collaborative mindset, and a global mindset. And I think it's fair to say in the last couple of years, particularly with travel being restricted, there's been a lot of focus on, you know, the opportunities at home. And I think actually it's important to consider what's in your own backyard. But I hope that people will not lose a global perspective in terms of looking for ideas around the world and caring about global challenges. Because in the end, actually what COVID has reminded us of is how interdependent we are. Thank you to Professor Shemaine for joining us on today's podcast. For more thought leadership, head over to www.associationofmbas.com forward slash ambition and be sure to tune into the next episode of the Ambition Podcast.